The word of God that comes to us today is from St. Paul who says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we embark on looking through this letter uh, from Paul to the Philippians. And it is full. Uh, I... I I ask your prayers because there's so much here. It's like a drinking through a fire hose, even if, like for instance, if you read it over and over, there, I as a preacher could camp on one phrase and drill down deeper and deeper to pull out meaning for us, which is good. You can't hear me? Let me surprise, but... All right, let me start over. So we embark today on the gospel, or the, well, I could say the gospel, the epistle that Paul wrote to this church in Philippi, which was a Roman colony, this church there. And it's so dense, it's so good, uh, and it is so different. So I encourage you over the summer to read it, reread it. Uh, there's parts that you can go so deep, and there's other parts where there's just so much. So deep and broad, it's, it's full of wisdom for us as we live this life as Christians. Uh, recently, Melissa and I were looking at, you know, through my phone, at some old photos. One of our kids needs some pictures for school. And uh, so we came to uh, a vacation that we had four years ago, and we're watching this two-minute video of, of, you know, kids got out of the car, they're so sick and tired of driving, uh, riding, and we're, we're having marshmallows, and kids are bouncing around all over the place. All six of that kids were, you know, talking in their, in their own ways. And, but there was one voice that we couldn't quite figure out, who, who is that? Uh, you know, just like this high-pitched, you know, constant voice. Uh, and finally, after about a minute, we realized, that's Peter. <laughs> And the strange thing was, well, we know Peter, he's our son, uh, but we didn't recognize him because he was different, right? He was younger, he was, you know, he was half the height he was now, uh, and he's growing fast. You know, next week he'll be taller than me, and in a month he'll be taller than Sam. You know, he's, <laughs> Peter is different than he was four years ago. Uh, so the reason I mention this is that, you know, looking back on that video, we were able to get a, a, a reminder of the voice of Peter that we would have totally forgotten. Uh, what he looked like, what he was talking about, where he was at that moment. And this epistle to the, the Philippians is something like that. It's a look back not four years ago. It's a look back not 400 years ago, but 2,000 years ago to the voice of God through Paul to the, the brothers and sisters that we have in Philippi. So that voice of God was not just for back then. That voice of God is for us today. And so I would challenge you this summer, read and reread and, and take in this letter to the Philippians, because it's not just for them, it's for us. And the joy that Melissa and I had when we pulled up that video and watched it, we can get something of that. So I say all that just as an introduction to, to hope to give you some excitement as we read this. There's so much here, but I want to frame the message I want to share with you today, some good stuff, from verse 6. If you have your bulletin... Take a look at Philippians 1, verse 6. I'll be going a little bit before, a little bit afterwards. But I want to look at verse 6 to help me frame this. He says this, I'm sure of this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Anybody heard that verse before? Anybody have it on your fridge, maybe? You should put it on your fridge. It's a great verse. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to break this down. It says, and I am sure of this. That is another way for Paul to say, I have hope. 
Now we know that hope, the way we use hope, is not the same as in the Bible. We say, we hope the Bills or Eagles win the Super so I didn't say that. Win the Super Bowl. I only said that for Sam's sake. The, re I, the rest you can just remember, if not remember that. Okay. Uh, we hope the Bills win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we hope our kids move back home. Whatever it is, we hope we get a, a, a job promotion. We want it to happen, but there's no certainty it's going to happen. But in the Bible, the word hope is just this. I am sure of this. Everybody say that. I am sure That's the same thing as having hope. And this letter to the Philippians, it's not exactly chapter by chapter because there's some overlap, but it breaks down about hope. This is a letter of hope for us that we can be sure. First chapter is all about having hope of the mission of the gospel, that the gospel will go forward. Chapter 2 is all about having hope for each other. Chapter 3 is having hope for the future. And chapter 4 is having hope that God will provide. And those are not like, like I said, pie in the sky, by and by, but, but by and by, but sure things that we can count on. We hope because we don't have them yet, but we know it's coming. It's like when you have a paycheck, you know it's coming. Right? That's what it's like. That's what hope is. It's coming, but it's not here yet. So Paul says, I am sure of this. And then he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Well, who is this he who began the good work in you? Come on now. We're outside, so I'm being less Jesus. formal. All right, Jesus. You guys agree with Elder Mike here? It is Jesus, right? I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. Anyone remember the message last week? All, every hand went up. Awesome. Remember Lydia? It, it says, Luke writes this, that God opened Lydia's heart to be attracted to or to pay attention to the Word of God. Right? So who did that in Lydia? Lydia's from Philippi. That was God. Remember the, uh, the jailer there? That guy who used to be a, a, a Roman soldier and now was a jailer? Like, who made the earthquake? God. God. It was, it was God's work. And um, remember, he comes running in and, and he, he's like, okay, I won't kill myself. Uh, what shall I do to be saved? And, and Paul and Silas tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So God was the one we saw last week was dramatically at work to begin a good work in them. right? And we can all look to our own lives. God has been at work in our lives as well. Maybe it's dramatic sometimes and maybe it's almost hidden, but God is at work. So I just want to pause and before I look more at at the next little thing here, is who this Jesus is. Uh, from, we know it, right? We say, uh, even as you just read the first few verses, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, so he's the Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like we say the word, this phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, and if you grew up in church, no big deal, right? It's just what you say, it's what you believe. But for the people here in Philippi, this is, at least when they first learned of this, this is mind-blowing, right? Uh, because for them, they have a gospel. The Roman Empire has a gospel, and it's different than the gospel of Jesus. Uh, they have, oh, let me explain it. So, the Roman Empire has a gospel, and I just want you to think about, is it similar to the gospel of America? Like, you know, kind of at large. I know there's left and right and all, all over the place. But is there a common good news, a good thing that people would believe in? Well, let me tell you about the Roman Empire gospel. Tell me if you can make connections. They believed that the Roman Empire, 
When it was founded, it was a part of the plan of the gods. It was a divine reason that they were there. And in America, we often think, yeah, we're, this is God's will that we're here. We're God's, in some ways, God's special people. We have it good. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about America. You can think about it. They thought that heaven and earth and all nations were a part of the Roman Empire good news. Right? They, they thought in the Roman Empire, they had something called Pax Romana, or peace. They had health. They had wealth, especially for those in power. Right? That's what salvation was for them in the Roman Empire. And it was good if you were also in power. Uh, because there was salvation, health, wealth, and, and peace, they had a Savior. Uh, in their words, a Soter. And their Savior was, they would say this, they put it on their coins, right? Um, they had a coin of Pompeii, and they said, he is the Soter and founder, the Savior and founder. They said of Caesar, Julius Caesar, he is the savior of the world. That's what they put on their coins. Of Augustus Caesar, that he is the savior of humankind. Right? We have in God we trust. But what if on our coin says um, that uh, such and such president is the savior of humankind? Take your president. Joe Biden, the savior of the world. Donald Trump, the savior of America, making America great again and putting it on the coins. That's a political statement about what we believe, right? Now, some of you might pick one coin that I just mentioned and some another. But either way, our, our hope, their hope was in that, what that coin said, savior of the world. Well, so when Jesus was born, you remember the angels, they said to you this day, a soter, a savior has been born. When the angels said that, that's a political statement. Does that make sense? There is a different king who is coming to reign. In fact, in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 17, um, these, uh, these people come to the house of a guy named Jason, who's a new Christian. And uh, they try to arrest Paul and some other people who are there. And they say, these guys have turned the world upside down. They're saying there's another king, Jesus. So this is a political thing that uh, the Philippians are believing. Uh, and one last thing on this, to show you how different the, the, this is, the Christian gospel versus the Roman Empire gospel. Uh, in, again, in the book of Acts, chapter 25, um, this guy Festus has Paul in custody. And he has to say why he has him in custody and why he's going to be on trial. And so he says, well, I don't know what to say. He, he hasn't done anything wrong. But I have to write to the Lord about him. Right? So who is Festus, in Festus' mind? He says, I, I don't know what to tell the Lord. Who is the Lord? Who is he talking about? Caesar. Yeah, he's talking about Caesar. He's not talking about God. His Lord, the Lord, to him is Caesar. So when it says here, when Paul writes to them, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying something remarkable. Now, we say it all the time, every week in church. Do you think it's political? No. No, you ought to. There is another king. We could almost say, and I, we don't use this language, another president, another government, Jesus. Not saying we shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm just telling you, this is remarkable and revolutionary. Okay.
That was a long digression. I apologize. So you, the rest you can wake up now. You don't care about politics. All right? Get back with me. All right, looking back at verse 6, it says, I'm sure of this, that he, this Lord, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What is the good work that he began in them? Well, we saw some of it last week. Lydia believed and was baptized. The jailer believed and was baptized. And then what did they do? Both Lydia and the jailer, after they were baptized, what did they do? They, well, they did spread the news, definitely. Lit. Their whole household got baptized. Okay, keep going. What else? They went back down the river. <laughs> kept on teaching. Anything else? Both the jailer and Lydia, what did they do? What? They celebrated? Yeah, they did. They, they offered their own houses as places of ministry. They extended the gospel to their household. Uh, Lydia especially said, my house is going to be a place where the gospel is going to go out. They, they began to support the work. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't just say, wow, that's cool. I got baptized, right? I'll come back to this about right before I die. That'll work out. Not at all. This consumed their life, right? So Paul reminds them of that. And so look at verse 3 and 4 and 5. Paul rejoices in what God has done in them. Take a look. Look at verse 3. This is Paul just out of joy. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This new Lord that they have, that they have in common, uh, they have a partnership because of that. So Paul just says, I thank God. I thank God for you guys. Now, if you read other letters, like read, read the beginning of Galatians sometimes, and it, Paul doesn't say, I thank God for you. He's like, I can't believe you guys are, are abandoning the faith. Here he's like, I thank God for you, and I rejoice be over what you've done, or what God has done in you, right? It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And that word partnership, uh, if you're growing in your faith, you might be somewhere way far away, maybe up in Nova Scotia or down in Mexico, you meet someone else who's a Christian, you might barely speak their language, but you know that you have that koinonia, as Paul says, that fellowship, that partnership. Anyone ever experienced that? You maybe met someone else and you know they're a Christian, and you, you had have nothing in common with them except for that, and that creates a strong bond between you and them, right? So maybe you've experienced that, but that is, that's the way it is. We have a a, a partnership, Paul says, a, um, a partnership in the gospel. And he says down below, he says, partakers with me of grace. Once we're Christians, we have this strong connection. We have hope with each other. All right. Um, Paul goes on, he says, this is verse 6. I'm just kind of framing it here. I'm sure of this, that he who began... A, are you getting tired of this verse? Oh, I hope not. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, What's the day of Jesus Christ? When he ret- it's when he comes back. It's when he returns in power and glory, as the creeds say, coming on the clouds to make all things right. Um, Paul will say this in, in chapter 2. When this happens, that um, he, he says that at the name of Jesus, every at the, no, now put this back in this context. This is a Roman colony. Everyone there is a Roman citizen. 
It's an extension of Rome plopped down in this other this in Macedonia. And he says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's different. That's what the allegiance ultimately will be by everyone. And so us as Christians, we get to, to kneel before him in advance. We get to, get to confess that he is Lord now. And it's a gift that we have. So that's the end. When all things will be made right. When this gospel bears fruit forever. Right? That's our hope. Okay. But I want to back up. And this is where I'm going to end. Paul doesn't just rejoice in what God has done in them in the past. And he doesn't just look forward to the last day. Although both of those are beautiful. There's a whole thing in between. Between now, today, and when Jesus comes. And... He wants them to live a certain way, and he'll tell them more about it. But for right now, he's going to pray. And so let's take a look at his prayer for them. Look at verse 9. He, he says, this is how I pray for you. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So he's praying, and we won't spend a lot of time on this because you could, like I said, you could drill down and talk about this forever, but just to, just to get our minds thinking about this. He says, I pray that your love increases more and more. What do you have to have in order to love? What? Heart. You had a heart, that's the subject. You have to have something else. It's a trick question. You have to have, you have, to have something to love, right? Someone to love. You have to have others to love. So we know we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. And Paul will talk about how we as a group are that people that we can love one another. And love, you've heard this, love is love. Right? Love is love. Isn't that a great definition? Just, just fills it right in. No. When people say love is love, what they mean is love is tolerance. Or tolerance is love. And, um, you know, Tolerance in some ways can be a good thing, uh, but tolerance can also be something like, I go to the doctor and I say to my doctor, Melissa, what was my doctor's name who did the surgery? Eddie Shea. Okay, so I go to Dr. Shea in St. Louis and I have this big lump on my leg and, and I go to Dr. Shea and I say, Dr. Shea, I've got this problem, it's a tumor. Uh, I don't know what stage it is, but it's not good. Dr. Shea could be tolerant and just say, well, Rico, I like you just the way you are. <laughs> I think you're fine. Well, of course, that's not Dr. Shea's job to just say I'm fine. He is a surgeon, and his job is to hurt me. <laughs> it's true. His job is to hurt me so that he can heal me. And that is what love is. Love sometimes is speaking truth, that, uh, that cutting out, that thing that hurts, so that we might be healed. If we have an idol, that idol takes us where we don't want to go and it will leave us there. But if that idol is cut off by the grace of God, then we are free. Right? So I'll, I'll let you just apply this to our lives, but we are to have wisdom in our love. Not just blatant love, love is love, but wisdom in our love. Love that wants the better for the other person, even if that speaking the truth might hurt. All right, go and live that out. 
And then he says, so that you may approve what is excellent. I mean, there's some things that aren't good. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then lastly, so that we don't think this is Pride Month. And, um, and we, of course, don't approve of everything in Pride Month. That's part of speaking the truth and not approving and approving things that are excellent. But also, I think this could be for us, it could be Humility Month. Right? We, are, we are quick to say, you know, um, acting out homosexual tendencies and, and transgender things is, is uh, sinful. We're quick to say that. And that is true. But we also ought to say to ourselves and to each other, um, is it wrong out of marriage, as a husband and wife, for, for any sexual things to go on? And we don't ask ourselves that. We, we look out there and say, Sixth Commandment, look how they're breaking it. But we don't look inward at ourselves. So it is Pride Month, which we don't accept. But we here can have Humility Month. And we can repent. And we can help each other. And we can speak the truth to each other here. That's all we can do. All right. Uh, and lastly, uh, I said that a moment ago. But he says, so that we don't think that we get too high on a horse. He says this. This is his prayer, that we would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Right? We ought to live a righteous life. But does this come from our own efforts? He says, no, it's through Jesus Christ. Right? And he'll tell us more about that in chapter 3 um, as he continues to encourage us. And it's to the glory and praise of God. So, challenge for us. Uh, let's step back, not just four years, but 2,000 years, and hear this word of God, this voice of, of God uh, for, so that we might know that we have Jesus as our Lord, the one who's come for us, paid for our sins, risen from the dead, who will make all things right. Let's be allegiant to him by doing what the jailer did last week. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, us and our whole household. In Jesus' name, amen.